Hey there, I'm Gina Keeping, ex-classroom teacher turned lifestyle entrepreneur. And not too long ago, overwhelm and stress was my norm. Now, I have created a life where I help others find their passions by giving women the runway to take that one-day daydream to a thriving business. Welcome to the Keeping It Real podcast, where each week I bring you an inspiring person or message where we talk about all things life and business related, where our conversations are real, the information is inspiring, there's a splash of fun, lots of laughs, and we dive into life lessons and the deep conversations about all the things. Thanks for tuning in, and I hope you like today's podcast. On today's episode, I chat with local personality, Jason Piercy. Jason is a realtor. He's a host on Rogers TV on the show, Out of the Fog. He's host and creator of his very own show, The Ask Jason Show. And he's overall a pretty awesome human. On today's episode, we talk about so much. We talk about anxiety. We talk about boundaries, superpowers, facing rejection, and so much more. If you need some inspiration today, then this is the episode for you. I really hope you enjoy it. Well, welcome, welcome. Jason Piercy, how are you? Uh, I'm pretty good. I mean, I'm locked up in my house for a little while. I'm working from my laptop. I get to have cool conversations like this, but mostly I'm pretty good. Awesome. Well, I'm so excited to have you here. We always have the best conversations. Um, But for those people who don't know you, can you just take a moment and tell our listeners who you are and what it is you do? Oh, goodness. Um, My name is Jason Piercy. Primarily, I'm a realtor. So I help people buy and sell houses and invest in real estate. Um, I've created my business around a personal brand as being a guy who provides the best bit of advice that he has in order to help people make good decisions without necessarily them having to work with me, which is a really, really fine line because members of the Canadian Real Estate Association, so people who are trademark realtors, are uh, were bound by a code of ethics and privacy and not stepping on other toes of other realtors is a big part of that. So I started a thing called the Ask Jason Show, which is a Facebook-based question and answer thing where uh, we're over, well over 100 episodes deep where people will send in questions or I'll, I'll explain situations so that people can get good bits of advice from a resource that they can trust without necessarily having to um, engage me or hire me as their person. That led, um, just from getting comfortable with video, that led to me being a local television personality on a couple of community-based things for Rogers TV. And um, and yeah, I guess that's it. I'm big in the local entrepreneurial space. I do a lot of like coaching, training. Um, I'm very vocal about the current state of our healthcare system when it comes to mental health, mental illness, and addictions, and I do what I can to spread the word that we need to be better at that, and I think that's it, and I spend a lot of time at Bannerman Brewing drinking coffee in the mornings. Yes, we both have that in common for sure. Um, You say that's it. That is such a great biography. Um, I love what you stand for, Jason, and every time we, you know, make time to have these conversations, I always walk away as a better person, so thank you for... Yeah. So thank you for being here and just always keeping it real. See what I did there? (laughs) You know, it's funny because (laughs) when I first started the Ask Jason show, um, it was named Keeping It More Real Than Real Estate. 
that oh, was no way. true story for the first. So if you, if you go to the Facebook page and you scroll way, way, way back to the first like two episodes, which are terrible, by the way, <laughs> they're really, they're really, really bad. Then that's, that's what I called it back then. And then I just, I, uh, I just changed it. Yeah. Wow. Coming full circle. You're coming back to the real stuff. Exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I really appreciate you being here and um, sharing your wisdom on so many different things. So once again, thank you. Thank you. Um, one of the things that I want to talk to you about today is boundaries. We hear this buzzword everywhere we go. People talk about boundaries that you need to have in your life, in your business. And you know, I have my own stance on it and I'll kind of share mine after, but what is your stance on boundaries? Do you have them? Do you think they're necessary? And if so, like what are some that you have in your life and around your business and, and moving forward? Yeah. So they're super important <laughs> how you define it and what parts of your life you apply it to obviously are, are key in identifying where they belong. So like for me, I tend to be one of those people, and I think everybody everybody knows somebody like this, and if you don't know somebody like this, then you're probably that somebody, where where people just seem to tell you their shit, you know? Am I allowed to say shit? Is that okay? Yes, yes. Yeah, okay. People just seem to, like, unload, like, whatever their trouble is, that, like, you know, I'm dealing with this, or I'm dealing with that, or this person did this, or, and, and like, even the deepest, darkest things from their past, like, um, uh, they had been abused or they had gone through this thing or they used to be addicted to porn or there was like, there's, there's, I tend to be one of those people that people take stuff to. Um, and it used to drain me really, really, really drain me. But then I started to understand a little bit more about personality profiling, uh, and understanding that I'm, I'm a really high extrovert and, other people, t I'm collecting energy from them when they're doing that. So I was able to reframe it a little bit, but it used to really tear me down and take a lot of energy out of me. And I didn't really understand. And then I started to get the difference between empathy and sympathy and, and the concept of healthy detachment from something. Uh, and that along with a whole bunch of other things made me realize, and when I say a whole bunch of other things, I mean, I kind of had a bit of a crash and burn years back. Like um, I lost family members that were really important, changed jobs, uh, had a kid and got married and uh, built a new house and then like got divorced and lost the house and then ended up bankrupt. Like a whole bunch of stuff happened now. And I was depression and anxiety and these meds and those meds and too much alcohol. And so through all of those things, I started to learn that putting a boundary up Sometimes there, sometimes you need to communicate them to other people. You're like, hey, so I have a lot of respect for what we're talking about, and I know that this is really important to you. Um, I'm here for you, but my line is is here because if I go past that line, then I'm giving too much of myself, such that I don't have enough now to be okay for me, which means I'm not going to be as good a dad. I'm not going to be as good you know, a partner or at my job or a host on a podcast or a podcast guest, if, if I let you in past my boundaries. So I don't use the word boundary very often, but I think it's just a matter of communication and understanding that you can say different things and mean, and you can use it like you and I can use totally different words and mean the exact same thing. That's right. right. Yeah. yeah. So I don't say boundaries. I, I just look at 
and I don't even say self-care. I use the word selfishness because it grabs people's attention a little a little more because everybody's afraid of the word selfish, right? Like yeah. selfish is a bad thing. And and sure it can be if you abuse it, but it can also be a really, really powerful thing in knowing that it's sort of being selfish is sort of the best thing that you can do for the people that you love. Because I did it the other way. Like I, I gave everything as much as I could. And when there was nothing left, I was useless to everybody in every way, shape or form. So now I need to protect the core parts of me that are, and that's my selfishness or in the context of this conversation, that those are where my boundaries are. Oh, I love that. You had so many gold nuggets there. And I think the biggest piece that people struggle with is actually communicating their boundaries. And, you know, we both have in common that we had rock bottoms. We had the people pleaser syndrome where we were just doing everything for everybody else um, because we love helping people. And, but the thing when you're doing that and you're pouring and you're pouring and you're pouring and you're doing and you're doing is that there's nothing left for you. And then that trickles into the people that you love. So, you know, sometimes we struggle with that. And I don't like using this word. I know we both think differently about what balance is, but a lot of people struggle with number one, finding out, okay, how much can I give and how much do I give back to myself? And then realizing, okay, this person takes way too much for me. I still want to be there for them, but I still need to be able to say, this is my threshold. This is where I lie. Um, so in, in, I guess, in line with that is how do you, how would you recommend that when you're saying what your boundary is, how would you recommend someone do that? Because chances are when you state what a boundary or whatever word you put on it is, a lot of people, when they hear your boundary, they don't react well to it. <laughs> yeah, I know what you're saying, but that's sort of like, I don't think that's about the boundary. I think it's about about the communication style and how you're putting it together, right? Mm, interesting. So, right, and and like, let's just look at context. Like maybe um, I have a I have a very good friend of mine who's uh, I've known for a long time. He's uh, not particularly well. Uh, he's he's got some addiction issues. He's got. Um, anxiety and depression and he's bipolar and uh he's been in isolation for a really long time um prior to the fact that we had to be uh because of a global health pandemic like he was just doing it to himself anyway because he couldn't exist in the real world so my boundaries in conversation with him are uh are totally different and of a totally different nature than they would be if i had let's go extreme to the other side if I had a sexual partner who wanted to try something I was uncomfortable with. Right. So how you right. approach how you approach the boundary is it is all about the context of the situation that you're in. So um love and support come first and you just phrase it that way. So listen, it's like um Gina, your health and your well being are really, really important to me. And I am always going to be there to help with that. In order for me to be able to support you the way that you need to be supported, I need to make sure that I'm okay too. So um, I'm always going to be here, but right now I need a moment to collect myself because I'm having a hard time keeping up and I don't want to do that for you. 
That's really good. And what you said there about different contexts, when you first said it, I was like, hmm, I, I wasn't quite sure if I agreed with you. But when you lay it up like that, absolutely, it really depends yeah. on the situation. Um, yeah. and, it, and the it, severity of yeah. the situation. Like, is somebody going to get their feelings hurt or is somebody going to kill themselves? Right. Like, so it's the, yeah, right. And you still want to be that good friend and you still want to be supportive. Um, I think where my mind was going was like the average person who um, has just expected so much of you because you have played that role for them in so many ways. Like I, someone just popped in my mind who, um, you know, I gave, I gave, I gave, I gave, I gave. And then when I said no, it wasn't received well. Right. So um, once again, another layer, another perspective, a different scenario. So I think it's really important to take a look at that and to see what the situation, the scenario is in a whole. That was a really good point. Yeah. And, and you'll learn a lot about the person that you're setting the boundaries up against when yes. you put them there. Right. You'll learn a lot about them. And oftentimes, if they don't respond the way that you would have liked them to, that's got nothing to do with you. Yeah. That's their own trauma, right? That's their own, that's their own thing. Like, for instance, if it's somebody who has um, PTSD from having been abandoned, right? then not being there for them when they need them, I mean, it's no longer about them disrespecting your boundary. It's about the fact that they're in two places at once. It, they, their PTSD was just triggered. They're a child now, like left alone, not being picked up from school in the snow. And it, it stops being about the conversation Gina's having. That's right. And I think that is so important to pay attention to because sometimes when we are setting the boundary that we're only looking at it through our own lens. So even just stopping and looking at where the other person is, that doesn't mean that you don't put the boundary in. It just means that the way you put the boundary in might be different. Yeah. I, I mean, it has to be. And, yeah. and letting that person who you're, you're trying to space yourself from, letting them understand why. Don't exactly. Just, them up. just no. letting, letting them understand why. And also communicating in, in, in a way that allows them to prepare for it. Right. So, right. Okay. Um, Gino, I, I want to talk to you about something, uh, and at first it's gonna, it, it's not gonna seem like a good thing, but I promise you it is a good thing. It's just I'm trying to create a situation whereby I'm able to be here for you and do, and and be able to be a good friend and to bring you love and light and support. Right now, I'm not doing a good job of it as I want to. At, so, like, uh, we need to talk about this so that our friendship can move better move forward better. absolutely yes and you know what i think that's a missing piece because a lot of the people that i work with um they know they need boundaries i mean we all know but right now as people are listening you have somebody popping in your head who you're like i need to put a boundary in place oh, with yes. we right? all have multiple we all do but i think what happens is that mentally we cut that person off and we say nope there's my boundary and you don't even have the conversation with the other person to even try to, you know, communicate what that boundary is. So the communication piece is huge, right? If you just cut somebody off, um, it's not necessarily going to be an effective boundary. That's going to have like a domino effect on so many other things. And it doesn't have to be all or none. No, goodness, no. And right? I mean, it's just, it's just mean. It is. Yeah. And I mean, they're not mind readers. They have no idea what you're going through or why you need the boundary in the first place. 
And if they are a good friend, um, they will understand that you need to take some time for you. I truly believe that. And chances are, if there's somebody who you need to place a boundary up against, I say against, it's not really, it, it, it's not against, it's not, it's not one or the other. It's like you're trying to, to find a level of communication and a level of trust and a level of understanding between yes. two people that allow you to be positive influences in one another's life. So if it's somebody that requires that conversation, then they understand what it's like to not feel good. That's so right. if you frame it in a way where you're just trying to make sure that you don't go to a dark place, then I mean, the people who are, the people, there's a, I'm going to bastardize it for sure, but there's a Robin Williams quote that dances around the topic that the reason he spends so much time making other people laugh is because he knows what it feels like to be incredibly dark and he never wants anyone else to ever feel that way. Yeah. So the people who, the people who have had the worst, darkest, deepest depressions or the, the most crippling anxiety, they would never, ever want anyone else to feel that way. So no. framing it in a way and they'll get it. And if they don't, if you, if you, if you approach it with authenticity and love and light and it comes from a place of support and it's not well received, it stops being your fault at some point. Right? I, I agree 100%. And I, I believe sometimes when you do put boundaries in place, you will lose friendships and you will have people who will drift who are not able to see your side of the story. But I think that's not a good enough reason to not put a boundary in place. Yeah. Um, and if you have somebody who is just used to taking and can't stop and see that you need to have some space or you need to take some time for you, or you know what, you can't answer your phone after nine o'clock at night because you need your sleep. Like, these are yeah. things that I think need to be understood. And once again, just having that conversation, we are so scared of conversation. We're so scared oh, yeah. to actually have the tough conversations where if you just sat down and talked it out, it will make a huge difference in the quality of your relationships. Yeah. So, so two things. I want to talk about the tough conversations because those are the only ones where anything good actually happens. Yes, They're absolutely. They're the only ones that matter, right? <clears throat> I mean, fun conversations are fun. And they make us smile and stuff. And that's really good. But no work gets done when when you're not addressing something, right? No gross. I mean, yeah. I would, would want to make like one small edit to what, what you just said to summarize the conversation about boundaries. You said that like when you put boundaries in place, I mean, sometimes you'll lose friends. I don't think you do. I think the people you lose aren't friends. Oh, yes. Ap yeah. No, I agree. I totally right? agree. Right. And that was, I had to say, that was one of the hardest things for me, Jason, was when I started doing all this work on myself and like I had major burnout. I put myself out of commission and at my lowest, when I was trying to take care of myself, I had people who were still expecting me to give, give, give. Um, and I lost people in my life who I thought were really close to me. So yeah, no, it, it's coming to that realization that, you know, you don't always have to agree on everything, but if you can't support the fact that you need to have a boundary, you need to take care of yourself, then they're not really your people or your friends. Yeah. No, they're not. And it might just be that they haven't hit their place where they learned yet. I agree. And they probably will. I think most of us do. Yeah. I think most of us, most of us hit that wall or like the rock bottom, like you spoke about, or most of us have that 
moment of realization that, oh yeah, I'm not a victim. I created all of this shit myself. Yeah. So, uh, and then you realize, oh, well, I am the one that's wrong or has been wrong. Or, yeah. and I mean, I can look back at my marriage. I can look back at other relationships. I can look back at work-related things when I always had somebody else to blame. And now I can say, it's not all my fault, but I can see, I can see the fault that I was too stubborn and in some in some cases pig-headed i can see things now that i didn't see before and when you're placing boundaries up with people who are taking advantage of you because if you need to put the boundary up that's what's happening they don't know they're taking advantage of you no they, they don't. don't they're still stuck in that place where it's all ego it's all them all the time and they don't they don't know they're wrong yeah so it's an education piece and if you lose people, just ask yourself, like, well, this is harsh, but, like, do you care? Yeah. Right? And I think you do. I, I think most people, they care at first. But it, because, you know, people like you and I, we have these big hearts. But I do think it's like, okay, you have to also acknowledge that if they don't care enough for you, it's okay to let that go. Yeah. And yeah. Not, confusing, not confusing missing somebody with wanting them back. Yeah, ooh, that's a deep one. Absolutely. Yeah, like you, can, you can really, really miss somebody. But that's because of routine change, mm -hmm. right? And it's a way of acknowledging that there was a lot of truth to all of the feelings that were around that relationship, whether they're a friend or a coworker or somebody that you had to fire or um, a, a sexual partner or a romantic partner. You can miss people. Yeah. after putting a boundary up but it doesn't mean you want them back no or it's should mean, have them back you just it's a way yeah. of acknowledging the truth of like the level of reality that that played in your life that it was that it had magnitude yeah no that that's a really great point and the, and the other thing too is that when you have somebody in your life and i know and I'm just assuming, but for you and I both, we will try to have the conversations. We will attempt to rectify anything before you actually, you know, had to go, okay, I had to totally remove myself. Like someone's coming to my mind right now where I've time and time again have had the conversation and tried to make it work and tried to come to some, you know, conclusion where we can both be happy. But if you cannot sit down and have the conversation, and the person who you're trying to talk to can, won't even hear what you're saying, then you, it's time for a boundary. It's time to go, okay, I can't control how this situation is playing out, but I yeah. can't control how I react to it. Yeah. So it's taking your power back too, I believe, and saying, okay, I've tried this. I've attempted the conversations and being okay with the fact that you did try and then going, okay, but I deserve better than this. I deserve my boundaries yeah. to be respected. I deserve for people to hear my side of the story, to respect my feelings, to respect when I say I'm hurt, to actually hear that, not, you know, gaslight you and say, oh, I can't believe you said I, you know what I mean? So it's and understanding it's people, your worth. And people dwelling on on stuff like people who are, who are victims who are stuck in the negativity. Yes. And they want to dwell on the thing or the incident or whatever it is yeah it's okay it's okay to take a moment to acknowledge that something happened to you that whether it was your fault or not um mm -hmm. wasn't good and it caused pain and the pain is real and you need to be able to work through that 
in order for it not to become trauma that haunts you for a very long time. Right. But there does come a point where you're just complaining. Yes, there is a fine line. There really is. Right? <laughs> and I yeah. and and it's hard to do with very personal relationships. It's it's much easier for me at least if I'm doing any kind of business coaching. I mean, I used to do it in a more formal capacity. Now I just like to do it for fun because it. I don't know. It just it's it. I enjoy it more that way. Like I can say to you if we were if we were talking about it and you said, well, this client or that client or this one, I got this problem with these clients. And I'm like, Gina, the last time we talked, you said the same damn thing. Yes, absolutely. So, right? It's that repetition and exactly. and staying stuck in your story. Like I I think too, like for the people who are listening, is if you have a reoccurring situation that's constantly coming up. Like seriously, stop and be self-aware that you could be contributing to the problem. Oh, if you have, it's like this. If you, I use this example. I like to take things and create like analogies because it helps people understand them a little bit better. Yeah. So like if you, if you get up in the morning and you walk to work and along the way, um, you ran into one guy that was a jerk to you. Yeah. Well, that sucks. You ran into a jerk. But if you get up and you walk to work and everybody you see is a jerk. Well, guess what? You're the like jerk. You're, you're the jerk. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. And that's true. Right. And it's becoming self-aware. And I think a lot of us are so used to pointing the finger that we just need to stop and go, okay, what part am I playing in this? And how am I contributing to the situation? And, yeah. you know, it's also taking your own power back and saying, I want to change this. I don't want this to be my story. I don't want to wake up every day and this be my life and, you know, not staying stuck in your story and, and understanding that you can change it. Yeah. And what, and you can't change something if it's someone else's fault. 100%. Right? Yeah. So if you, everybody wants to take credit for all of their wins in life. I got a promotion. I did a good thing at work or like I won this thing or everybody wants credit for their wins and you yeah. deserve them, but you don't get to take credit for your wins. If you don't also acknowledge that your losses are your fault too. Yes, and absolutely. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing. It is a good thing. Because if you if you have credit for your wins, yeah, right? So you can say, I did a good thing. I'm good at this thing. If you don't take credit for your wins, which is the only way to do it, if your losses are somebody else's fault, so are your wins, yeah. and you don't get to celebrate them, right? Mm -hmm. But you can also celebrate your losses because a loss is just an opportunity to see what you can change to be better moving forward. But yes. If if you are if you say that like, well, I mean, I'm in all this and okay. So we'll probably talk about more things that relate to this. I'm gonna this is a blanket statement for the ease of understanding the concept. I understand that as a white straight dude in North America, it's about as easy for me as it gets for anybody in the entire world. I I un, I understand that. I'm not saying that if you're a uh, transgendered black person that you don't have struggles that I like, that's not what I'm, that's not what I'm saying. But if, if you can acknowledge that things are your fault, you can fix them. Yes. If things aren't your fault, you can't do anything to fix it. That's right. So yeah. I'm not right. I, I know that there's situations where there are things out of your control, like systemic racism and patriarchy and they really, really are very difficult things to to work through and pass. But if there's anybody in the world that has done it that looks like you, 
then you can do it too. Like, it, it, it's okay for it to be an obstacle. It can't be a, a crutch to lean on for your failure. Because yes. if the reason that you didn't get a good grade in university, so you didn't get the job, so you didn't have the house, now you can't get married, now you didn't, if all of that is because of the thing that somebody else's fault, then just you might as well quit and go to Sunday school because you'll never make it in your life. You got to <laughs> understand, you got to understand that you have some control. And if you don't accept responsibility for not being able to accomplish something, then you'll never change the things you need to change in order to be better and happier in your life. Absolutely. And I love that you, uh, you added that point. Like these are obviously things that we do have within our control. These are not, like you say, these big, um, really heavy situations that are happening in our world right now. Um, it's more about taking a look at our lives as we are and acknowledging what we can change and taking that ownership that, yeah, there are some really challenging things that could be happening in our life, but we do yeah. have more control than what we think. Absolutely, we do. Yeah. We have all the control. All we of do. it. We do. Um, so we're talking about control and talking about the ownership. Um, I remember one of our very first conversations, We, you and I talked about our superpowers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and we talked about, um, and I don't want to give away too much because I feel like you say it so beautifully, but... What is your superpower um, and why do you consider it your superpower? See, this, this is actually really kind of good timing because um, this morning I had to, um, I have my little girl, 50-ish, sometimes a little more, sometimes a little less, depending on my ex's schedule and, and my schedule too, of course. So, but she's at her mother's today, last night and today. And I had to um, bring her laptop over because she's doing online school and I forgot it last night. So one of the reasons I forget things sometimes is because I have pretty significant ADHD. Uh, and that can cause me to just sort of get distracted, not remember a thing that's important, like, you know, my little girl's ability to do online learning this morning. So I had to get up super early this morning, shovel the car out and drive to have it there by like 8 or 8.30, whenever it was. And on the radio, on the morning show, they were doing this like everyday superpower thing where you call in and tell everybody what your, what your everyday superpower is. Because there's this contest, I can't remember where it's being offered, where if you can, if you can come in and prove under like experimental circumstances that you do have a real life superpower, like a paranormal kind of, then they'll pay you $250,000 cash. That is yeah. so cool. Yeah, if you can actually, and it's been going on for years, and people really? are trying, but nobody's been able to win. So if you can go in and, and demonstrate that, like, I don't know, you can read minds, or you can fly, or you can like, uh, you have X-ray vision, or you can, if you can demonstrate an actual superpower, they'll pay you two hundred fifty grand cash. So everybody was calling into the radio. They're like, "Well, here's my everyday superpower," sort of thing. And I was thinking, like, what would mine be? Because I do have a couple that I think of that I talk about in situations like this. And it's more about reframing what everybody else considers a bad thing. But I, my everyday superpower is, uh, is I always get good parking spaces. Ah, I wasn't expecting you to say that. <laughs> I do. I do. I mean, that's not what we're going to talk about. And no, but I love the other it. Stuff. But I do. I always get good parking spaces. <sighs> Like whenever somebody's like, well, we got to leave because there won't be parking. It's going to be hard to park. I'm like, don't worry. I got it covered. <laughs> I, and it's true. 
I always get like good parking spaces. It's it's kind of weird. Anyway, but that's not what we're here to talk about. I have a couple that I that I think about, and and they're all about reframing stuff that other people consider to be losses or considered to be disadvantages. Um, and they're things that that if you if you have something about yourself that you don't like and it's something that you don't have you feel like you don't have the ability to change right mm -hmm. like for instance uh for me i i'm not I, ca I can't just get rid of my adhd right i can take meds for it and i can eat better and i can sleep and i can exercise and i can i can do all of those things but my brain is just different it's just it's neuroatypical and and it'll just always be that way. I can I can frame that as a, a disability of some sort, and there is actually like the, the Canada Revenue has a disability tax credit that you can get with your ADHD is severe enough, um, and that's worth tens of thousands of dollars. So in some ways, you'd be like, well, that would be cool, but. Um, or I could reframe it and look at it as an advantage. Absolutely. I love that. Right. So I'll talk about that one a little bit, but then I want to talk about anxiety also, because I think that's, that's one that's more relatable to everybody. And I can speak about that one because I, and you and I have had this conversation. I think I can speak about that when, in a way that I think most people will be able to digest it and understand where their anxiety comes from and yeah. then be able to use it to make their life better. But I'll start with the ADHD. So the way that my, so ADHD is attention deficit hyperactive disorder. There's a bunch of different versions of it and it manifests in a bunch of different ways for different people. For me, it's very much about hyperactivity and short attention spans. So um, doing one thing for a really long time, unless it's a very dynamic thing, like this kind of conversation that we're having, doing one thing for a long time is hard for me. Sitting still is hard for me. Um, and it's not because none of these things are important. It's not because if if um, I'm interviewing some uh, political leader and it's a really dry conversation, and I'm having a hard time. Just like it doesn't mean it's not important. It means like my brain needs way more feel-good uses to focus than the average person does. Right. So I can pop an extra Ritalin to make sure that I'm dialed in for a boring conversation. Or if I know I need to sit down and do like a bunch of spreadsheet stuff for a builder that I work with in real estate, I can get dialed in and I can make it happen. But I don't always like to do that. And the reason that I don't always like to do it is because it's not that I lose creativity, but the, the way our brains work is we connect thoughts to other thoughts across synapse, synapses like in, a, in our brain and that's how we retrieve memories right so like this this one thing you're thinking about leads to this other thing leads to this other thing and that's kind of how you pull things together and that's kind of how i come up with analogies for a bunch of things like just just right now in, in thinking about that for me my adhd works kind of like uh, a wikipedia page right so like, for instance, there's, um, um, it, I can see on this conversation, I mean, I know the audience just listening to the audio, but on your back wall there, there's a really nice painting of an elephant, right? So I could go to Wikipedia and I could be like elephant, and then I'll be able to click on Africa, 
and then Africa will come up, and then I'll be able to click on um, on I don't uh, slave trade, and then that'll be able to take me back to Newfoundland and Labrador ah, because because gotcha. we built we built boats that that we went down, dropped off codfish, picked up rum, got slaves, brought them back. Like a lot of people don't understand that. So now by looking at the picture of an elephant, I have a story about how we celebrate our history of Caribbean rum and we kiss a cod and take a shot of screech <laughs> and we celebrate it like it's a good thing. Right. But now I have a story about how bad that is because it's all, it's all based on slave trading. Uh, that whole story is based on us dragging slaves off of the shores of, of South Africa to bring them to Canada and the United States on the boats that we built. And I now have that story to tell you because there's, there's a picture of an elephant behind it. So that's the way that my ADHD works. So sometimes that's an advantage. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, like I just, I just found a way to tell people a story that they didn't know. No, and they wouldn't be able to do with the same piece of information. Like you did that just based on a photo. Yeah. So, but it's all, but there's disadvantages, of course. Of course. But the disadvantages, I don't, I don't need to dwell on them and feel guilty about it. No. feel bad about it because I'm a lesser person because my brain works different than yours. That's, yeah. not, that's not the purpose. The idea of taking something and making it a superpower is understanding the abilities it gives you that it doesn't give other people. And like, even when, like I get easily distracted. So if I have three or four things to do, I, I know that I'm not gonna be able to do any one thing with full attention any longer than 15 or maybe 20 minutes. So I'll have like a 15 or 20 minute timer. And right. because I'm gonna stop being good at it, right? That's right, so, yeah. Okay, leave it, next, 15 or 20 minutes. But I yeah. love too that you're choosing to reframe something that is commonly stated as something that is a challenge and a lot of people struggle with and it's a disadvantage. And I feel yeah. you do that with most things in your life. Like you take the challenge, you take the things that most people would be like, oh my God, I can't believe this is me and I have this. And you're like, uh-uh, I'm going to reframe that. And just as much as we could focus on the things that are, you know, I guess not fantastic about it, you are like, no, that's not what I want to focus on. I'm going to focus on how it can be good and how I can use this for an advantage and how I can help yeah. people in a unique way. So it sets you apart. Which is it's really about cool. finding it's about finding ways to be grateful. Yeah. So um, I put I, I firmly believe this, and I, and I was in like a real um, sometimes when, when I'm because I get in dark places, everybody does, and uh, sometimes I guess it was last year or so I was in a pretty crappy place, and the way that I usually haul myself out of it is through gratitude. Mm -hmm. So and through helping other people, because then I feel good about myself and I can right. So which is selfish. So I help other people to feel good about myself so that I can no longer be depressed or anxious. And now Get I can a be dopamine hit. Exactly, right? <laughs> so I put a post on Facebook that and it just said, if you can if you can find a way to be grateful for the worst thing in your life, your life will change. I could not agree and more. I firmly Yeah. Right? I firmly, firmly agree with that. And one guy commented, he's like, um, my mom died tragically when I was four. How am I supposed to feel grateful for that? Mm -hmm. So I just, I just asked him um, what he feels he knows about life yeah. that I don't know because I've had my mom ever since 
well, I was born, obviously, and she's still alive, and I have a good relationship. And he started talking about um, the ability to to understand that the long term is more important than the short term, and to have so much extra appreciation for little moments. And I'm like, so you have a lot of reasons to be grateful. I mean, I'm not saying that you want it this way, and I'm not no, saying that like, no. it wouldn't be better. Like, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying if you can, if you can find a little tiny way to feel grateful for lessons that you have in life that you wouldn't have had if this horrible thing didn't happen, right? Because yes. now it's not woe is me. Now you can take power. Absolutely. And I can totally relate to that because, as you know, like I lost my dad when I was 29, and um, it resulted in me having the hardest time of my life. And yeah. I took that very early on. Not, and I, I'm going to back up a bit because I think a lot of times – when people hear the word grateful, it's like you had to be grateful for that experience. No, I'm not grateful that my dad died. I miss him every day. Like yeah. I wish I could pick up the phone and I could call him. Those things don't disappear, but I would not be the woman I am today. And I would not be here interviewing you. I would not be in a position where I'm making an impact on people's lives. If those things didn't happen. So the grief is going to be there regardless. The pain is going to be there regardless. And it's all, it's just trying to find a little bit of light in the darkness It's not forgetting it. It's not saying, Oh yeah, I'm so happy that my, my father passed away. No. And if I could get him back in an instant, I would, but that obviously can't happen. I can't control anything else. So I chose, and so this is just me grateful for the lessons that you yeah. learn and the changes in your character that make exactly. you a better person. So now everyone in your world can be a better person. 100%. And it's making that it's a choice. It's not something that, you know, I remember um, being here, looking at myself in the mirror, Jason, and being like, who is this woman looking back at me? And yeah. why can't I leave my house? Like, I, I've never had anxiety or depression my whole entire life. And then all of a sudden, I was ridden with it. And I remember looking at myself in the mirror and saying, I didn't know how it was going to happen. But I said, there is going to be a light that comes from this. And I just, I decided very early that my struggle was going to be something that I could turn into something where I helped other people. Um, there is, there is always, always, is always, always yeah. a light. The, the problem is, the problem is being able, and it's not even being able to find it. That That's not the hard part. The hard part is hauling yourself out of the pity i agree yes. and, and the reason why it's hard is because hauling yourself out of the pity in order to do that you need to get past the guilt that you placed on yourself because you feel like if i find a way to feel good about something that happened because something horrible happened then i'm a bad person it's so bad like for the last four or five maybe even six or seven years of my uh, grandmother's life on my mother's side. She, um, she lived with my parents. And um, mom refused to file her taxes such that she was a caretaker for her mother for years. And she refused to do it. And even now, she won't go back and reassess because she would be owed a great deal of money from the government because not only was she not only was she a, a, another dependent, but there's a whole bunch of expenses because of the type of health concerns that right. my that her mother had. 
And the reason she can't do that is because she feels guilty to, for benefiting from her mother being sick. Oh, I'm like, my no. gosh. Oh. And to this day, she won't. And I can't even talk. She won't even let me, she won't even let me bring up the conversation. Yeah. But you know what? Guilt holds so many people back, Jason. Like we put these expectations on ourselves that are just really not, they're not kind to ourselves. They're not realistic. And, you know, it's okay to take care of yourself. And I think that's a message we need to keep hammering out is that it's okay to do it. It's okay to put you first. It doesn't make you a bad person. It doesn't make you, um, you know, selfish, you know, even though that we want to be selfish, but like, People think of selfish in a, in a different light, but it's okay to do it. And it's yeah. okay to put you first. And it's okay for you to make or find something good in a bad situation. It doesn't make you a bad person. I had people tell me that what I was doing was wrong. I had people tell me that I shouldn't be uh, sharing my story. I had people telling me that it wasn't right for me to talk about my feelings. And they were wrong. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know? So oftentimes when people do some stuff like that, and I mean, we started on superpowers. I, st- I still want to talk about the anxiety. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and, and we will. Um, oftentimes when people do stuff like that, it's not because they actually think what you're doing is wrong. It's because of a concept called cognitive dissonance. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and this will come up again as we talk about other things, I, I think probably. But they're having their deeply seated thoughts and beliefs yeah. challenged. And people don't like that. Not because it's not that we don't want change or we don't want to be better. It's that we don't want to admit that we have been so grotesquely wrong for so long because we're acknowledging then that we were lesser people. Like trying to get trying to get my my uncle to understand that the phrase all lives matter is in a bunch of ways anti-black. Yeah. And, and trying to get him to understand that is really difficult, not because he hates black people. It's got nothing to do with it. it. It's not, it's not, there's no maliciousness. There's no hate in his heart. It's that his understanding of the world comes from a place that, that was just built on this whole foundation of what everybody thought was this underlying truth. And in order for him to admit how wrong he is, he needs to admit that he has been this lesser version of a human for this entire time, mm-hmm. accidentally, not intentionally, yeah. accidentally and unknowingly. And to admit that you've been that that ignorant, and I don't mean it like in Newfoundland, a lot of people equate ignorant and rude. I just mean you didn't know. You didn't know. Yeah. And to admit yeah. that, you, that, that reality was that absent from you for so long. And for all that to turn over in a second. Right. And to be challenged. And it's not necessarily just, oh, okay, yeah, no, Jason, I see where you're coming from. It's changing all the views, all the ideas, all of who you were and living. But I think that we need to do that. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, we need to do more of that. And and I'm saying that screechings are super racist. And and they are. They are. They're a celebration of participating in slave trade and 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 thinking that it that it's something that we should we should people who come from away should come here and be indoctrinated into that history and that culture and that we should all celebrate it that's disgusting 
I have never looked at it. Well, and once again, talk about um, not knowing. Like, I didn't know that. Like, when you said that, I was like, wow. Yeah. How many people now are going to listen to this and be like, and not like me? Because I'm calling them, I'm calling them racist. Right. And, and it's, but it's not that they, it's not that they don't like me. It's not that they hate black people. It's not that they're, they're want to ignore the history. It's that they're uncomfortable learning that the thing they always thought was good is actually awful. Right. And that's, and, that's and, but you know what, I think too, like around that it's, um, when you are in that situation and you realize that what you've been living has been, um, you know, kind of just given to you based on where we live, geography, like, you know, we live in Newfoundland, we have so many privileges being here, but it's what you do with it. I think like once you're called out and you're like, okay, like this is actually how it is. It's like, okay, what do I do with this? It's not beating yourself up to an extent where you're like, you hate your existence, but it's like, okay, I have a choice now to either grow and evolve or to stay stuck in my beliefs and not challenge them. Yeah. Right. Back to your superpower though. I want to hear more about your anxiety. Okay. So so we just, we just learned through example (laughs) of what ADHD does. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) It it, it makes for a good, if not slightly disjointed conversation. So let, let, let's talk about anxiety and because I think if everybody um, understood this and could and could focus on it and could have clear and concise thoughts about it in the context of feeling anxious, they would be able to really affect positive change. So obviously anxiety exists in a bunch of different forms to a bunch of different levels of magnitude. It can be crippling to the point where you can't get out of bed and it can make you nervous when you're trying to parallel park. So like <laughs> anxiety is, is a very, very far, there's clinical definitions, there's people with um, mood disorders and generalized anxiety disorder. And there's, like, there's a whole bunch of different things. I'm not necessarily talking about the people whom, for whom getting out of bed is a struggle on an anxious day. Um, I'm not going to marginalize and invalidate the severity of a mental illness. We're talking more about mental health. Mm-hmm. So separating the difference between the two of those is really, really important. We all have mental health. Everybody has mental health, just like you have physical health. Just like it's just it, it's the existence of that part of you as a human being. It's the concept that that your feelings, thoughts, and emotions and moods have, are are a thing that relates to your health. That's all, that's all that means. Not monitoring your mental health and allowing things to deteriorate repeatedly um, can lead to mental illness. So you spoke about um, after your father passed, you had never had anxiety or depression before. You had never been sick. You'd, so it's, uh, during that path, you were, giving warnings, you were given warning signs about your mental health Oh my God, like so many (laughs) that I ignored. Yeah. Struggling right now. Like we have things to pay attention to. If you don't pay attention to these things, you're going to get worse. Yeah. And that's an example of not monitoring your mental health, allowing it to descend into mental illness. Right. And then sometimes that can go into addiction and say a whole bunch of things can happen. The point is, it's just like your physical health. 
If you don't maintain your physical health, you will get into physical illness or injury or whatever it is. It's the same thing with your brain and your emotions. Mm -hmm. If you don't monitor your mental health, you'll go into mental illness or mental injury. Something will happen, right? So anyway, um, so we're talking about anxiety as a general concept. Right. My formal education is in um, psychology, and I spend a lot of time thinking about things and, and learning and researching uh, and writing the, the, I mean, the papers that I did write for the classes that I took. Uh, a lot of it leans towards sort of an evolutionary perspective because I think understanding anything you need to know where it started or where it came from and how it got to where it is right yep. and I, I just think that that's really really important to get the backstory of something so i started thinking about anxiety as an evolutionary adaptation because it is it very very much is and if you learn what anxiety is it's really just like you get a a, a shot from your adrenal gland of cortisol goes up your brain and um and makes you nervous or anxious or gives you that like sense something is happening and that's that's what happens we've all heard the phrase fight or flight right mm -hmm. that's what happens when you're about to go into a fight or flight response that's so right. yeah. regardless of what regardless of the situation you're in your adrenal gland does that every time and then it's in your brain and then we take our consciousness and our ability to perceive our surroundings and determine, is it fight or is it flight? And the people who had that really strong response that was instinctual, almost like a sixth sense, if we go way, way, way back, they didn't get eaten by the saber-toothed tiger. No. <laughs> right? So they were able to escape. So it stands to reason, shortcut here, really, really shortcut, it stands to reason that those who have a genealogy and an ancestry that supports a very strong fight or flight response procreated and increased anxiety was selected for. Gotcha. So so the people the people who were able to stay safe, they their genes were selected for, and now the majority of the world has more anxiety than they would have if anxiety wasn't positively selected for through like darwinism right mm, interesting so being anxious being anxious is an evolutionary adaptation that served us well and allowed us to continue the evolution of our species just like just like the first person who figured out that you can extract more nutrients from meat if you cook it and then those people who were cooking, they were they were able to procreate and because they were selected for, they could make it through the same kind of thing, right? Or people who could see further or hear better or smell better, like all of those who were bigger or stronger, like all of those things got selected for to create the human race as we know it. But at no point in time, except, well, maybe, maybe we're getting there now, but at no point in time did that anxiety stop being um stop being beneficial stop yeah because anxiety certain levels of anxiety we need them like they exactly. do keep us safe right exactly. But, exactly yeah but at no point did it did it get selected out for because it made it such that you were a less valuable mate that didn't happen no it's, it's all it's all still there 
even though now when you get that shot from the adrenal gland, even though now it's probably, I mean, it is sometimes, but on a daily basis, it's not a life or death situation. So that fight or flight response is, um, it's still there, but it, it's not the magnitude of it. The severity of what it's going to cause in your life is no longer, it's no longer that instinctual, I better run because I'll die if I don't. Now it's like, I'll better run because there's, you know, hundreds of millions of years of evolution making me do it. And I'm not conscious of the fact that I'm doing it. And I don't know why I'm doing it. It's just this thing that has to happen now. So right. understanding that that is what anxiety is and that there, there's nothing wrong with you, you can't change it like that. No. Hundreds no. of millions of years created it. Yeah. Like your anxiety started to become a thing when that first bit of primordial ooze like turn into life like that would that's the start of your anxiousness you can't yes. undo that like no that's, no it would I, and i think too it's you you can't undo it i mean like you said the these anxieties that we have for the most part um they're there for a good reason but i feel that as humans we create more anxieties and not listen to the warning signs and don't have appropriate yeah. ways to handle those anxieties when they come in. So that's the other half of the conversation. Yeah. So it's fight or flight. Yeah. And and there needs to be an assessment process of your reality to determine which one of the two of those is the one that, that right. you need to do. So there's two factors in determining our emotions in an individual circumstance. There's, and very conveniently, the doctor who, who studied this and coined it, the last name was Schachter, which is very convenient. So this is the Schachter <laughs> two-factor theory. So um, Schachter noticed that we have our physiological response to a set of stimuli, and then we have our conscious assessment of our situation. Right. And the two of those together what is what determines how we feel, right? Gotcha. If you, if you take away... The physiological response, or sorry, if you take away the cognitive assessment of your situation, you'll always flight because the evolution of things is that you're safer if you run. You're always safer if you run. You're always, so if you don't pay attention to what you're doing and you run, you're more likely to be safe, historically speaking, right? Yes, that makes it's sense. Just not, it's just not true anymore. Yep. Right now, running is ruining things. Now you're running from work and you're getting fired. Now you're running from your your kids and social services are calling. Now you're running from your own brain and your PTSD was triggered because that's really what PTSD is. It's an escape from a situation. Your brain escapes and shuts down and like yeah, and doesn't want to deal with it. Yeah, exactly. So. The, the physiological response is going to be the same every time when you're, when you're feeling anxious. You're going to have um, your heart will start beating, your pupils will dilate, you might start to sweat, you have the skin conductivity and the hair will stand on end, uh, you might be breathing deeper. All of those things are going to happen. And, and your situation your, that's surrounding you is how you determine how you're supposed to feel in that moment. Because if you just imagine, like if you, if you have your eyes closed, and, and you're just standing there and you can feel your heart pound. You're starting to sweat. Everything is tingling. Your hair is on end uh, and, and you're breathing heavy. Like 
what are you doing? Are you standing on the edge of a cliff when you open your eyes and you're going to fall to your death? Or do you open your eyes and the love of your life that you wanted forever is right there and there about to kiss you? Because your body will do exactly the same thing when you're super, super afraid and also super, super excited. Mm -hmm, that's true. So the second factor is our assessment of where we are. And, and what you do how, with that assessment. Exactly. Yeah. Anxiety mm -hmm. can be a superpower because anxiety doesn't ever tell you what to do ever. All anxiety does is draw to your attention that there is something happening in your current circumstances that require you to think about whether you're in trouble or not. That's right. And on most people, they, they, they automatically go trouble. But it's not their fault. That's no, the thing. no, it's because not. It's yeah. Hundreds of millions of yep. years telling you you're in trouble. Yeah. But now we get to take a moment and look around. So the first That's thing right. you do is, okay, am I safe? Yeah. If, you, if, you're having, if you're anxious, am I safe? Yes, I'm safe. Thank you, evolution. Thank you, anxiety, <laughs> for telling me that there is a thing to pay attention to. I'm aware of it. You have done your job. I'm safe. Now I can look at my surroundings and determine what it is I have to do. I love that. I love it. And you're right. Like a lot of people, they judge their anxieties and they judge that feeling and they almost create an identity around it. And they say, I'm, I'm an anxious person, but it's detaching yourself from that and realizing we all have those, but it's this extra thing that we can do now with it that can really help us get our power back around that, right? Absolutely. So, you know, it's looking at it, like you say, exactly like, oh my goodness, there you are, like looking, you know, acknowledging that it's there, um, but then not accepting it as a threat, or maybe it is a threat, you know, but actually analyzing it and allowing yourself to see the situation as it is, not what you're being told by yeah. your body. And, that, it's, and it's perfectly fine if after your yeah. assessment, you're like, no, I am afraid. I do need yeah. it, yeah. That's yeah, okay. Totally. Maybe, maybe you have something underlying. Like there's no difference in feeling anxious in a situation and deciding what to do than there is in stubbing your toe mm -hmm. and deciding what you yeah. should turn the light on. Yeah. Like it's, it's, it's the same thing. It's, it's like something is telling you to pay attention and make, and you use like your executive function to make a decision based on your circumstances. That's yeah. All anxiety is. Yeah. And then also, I, I think an extra step too is that sometimes we let the anxiety stop us from doing the things that um, we want to do as well. You know, like I, I hear uh, quite often, like I'm anxious, I can't do that. But it's it's also the same feeling you get with anxiety, you get with fear too. Like mm -hmm. if you were about to do something and you're like, oh my God, what am I about to do? Like when I do this podcast, I was like, oh, is this something I really want to do? I had all the same feelings as anxiety, but you stop, you analyze, you question your thoughts and you realize, you know what? Yeah, it's scary, but you know, in order for me to move past this threshold, then I do it because I know I'm safe. And I know that even if this is not received well, I, I know I can figure out how I'm going to move past my next step. So anxiety and fear are really closely related and also really closely related to them is what, what I think that you, you just started about is, uh, is self-doubt. Yeah. And self-doubt is a really, really interesting one because there's, there's nothing from an evolutionary perspective 
that that creates self doubt. Mm-hmm. There, there's nothing. There's there, nothing. If anybody who has self doubt or questions their ability is because they're they are adopting as truth something somebody else put in their head at some point in their life. That's right. Yeah. There's there there is nobody out there who is born doubting whether or not they'll be able to learn the walk, and no, they are encouraged right. to be able to learn the walk their whole life, and they're encouraged to be able to learn the talk their whole life, and they accomplish these things. Which just think about that. Learning, mm-hmm. learning to speak, learning, learning how to use language has to be like statistically impossible. You could never do that in isolation, ever. You no, would, you're right. You never could. It's impossible to do. Yeah. But yet we all do it. And we all do it because of, of the support around us and the fact that we don't ever doubt the possibility. Now, if you take something else, like like learning to walk is, is one, but what if um, what if you wanted to learn to jump and because you wanted to play volleyball, you wanted to play basketball, and you're realizing, well, I mean, I'm, I'm barely six foot, so if I want to be able to really perform the basketball, I need like a two-foot vertical, really, right? Which is not an easy thing to accomplish. No, I don't have much of a vertical over here. Exactly. Like the 20, <laughs> A 24-foot, 24-inch vertical is is a serious jump. Um, If you were always encouraged, always told that you could do, you just keep practicing, keep practicing, keep practicing. I mean, obviously, there are people who have genetic predispositions to be better or worse at certain. Of course, yes. But I don't think that it that there are very many people in the world who could constantly try and train with support and with effort to jump two feet tall who couldn't get there eventually. Yeah. Well, it's that belief. You said the word, the belief, you know, and um, I work with a lot of people uh, both in life and in business around the beliefs that we hold. And at some point, like you said, somebody gave you this thought that you weren't good enough or that you weren't smart enough. And the first time somebody said those words to you, they had no power. You might, you probably were like, oh, that's interesting. Is that true? You probably blocked it out. Then maybe somebody else said it to you. Then you're like, okay, maybe this is true. And then you start telling yourself that story over and over and over again. And then that becomes your identity. Yep. Now it is true. And now it is true because, and also the way that our brain works too, we have something called the reticular activating system. Yep. So our, we think like 60 to 70,000 thoughts in the, in the average day. So our brain can only filter in so much. So if we're looking and our subconscious thought is that I'm not good enough, your brain is going to find all of these things to support that thought. Which is really interesting that that the conversation has evolved to that because that goes right back to what I was talking about earlier when, when how we access memories. And that you're, you immediately, you're looking for all of the things that have happened in your life that mm. support that belief. Absolutely. And now that belief is supported and now it's true for you. Yeah. But it's but not actually true. No. And if you challenge that belief and that goes back to, like you say, everything we've talked about, if you challenge your belief and you challenge your thoughts, then everything changes. Whether yeah. you're dealing with your anxiety, and I, once again, like I understand anxiety can be crippling, um, and I understand when you're in it, it's so hard, and there's different degrees, but like you said, your daily anxieties that are challenging for you, yeah. a lot of the times if you challenge your thoughts and you challenge your beliefs around those thoughts, it can really 
change your, your, I can't even say the word, trajectory of your day, of your thoughts, of how you move forward, of overcoming yeah. your fears, like all of it. Like let, letting something like that burn you down is, is, is it, I, I know it's hard, but it's also ridiculous because like there's, speaking again about anxiety, there's a lot of power in understanding the things that we're talking about today and knowing how to utilize it. Yeah. However, there's no, there's zero value in getting this and being able to think your way through it and understand it if you can't recall it knowing that you are currently anxious. Yeah, that's a good There's, point. There is no yeah. value. It's kind of like you don't like you're you're an athlete and a coach and you mm -hmm. understand sporting. Nobody gets better practicing against people they're already better than. 100%. You, and yeah. and it's, when everything is going well, you're not learning anything. No. And you, and and there's no value in, in understanding how to manipulate your thoughts and your emotions to be able to get better. It's when stuff sucks that you that there's power in understanding these theories and these concepts and these practices mm -hmm. or exercises. It's when stuff is really, really hard. Using anxiety as a superpower only works if you're anxious. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Yeah. Right? It's like, well, I have the superpower of flight, but I don't ever fly. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> well, then why? Like, yes. why? Yeah. Right? So you have it, use it, but you can only use it in the circumstances where you're anxious. Absolutely. So, and in oh, testing it and practicing it, like you... Like you said, like when you want to do something better, if anxiety is a thing that you want to overcome or if anxiety is something that you want to face and get better at, then you have to get in the trenches. You have to, yeah. to, to, to challenge it, you know, and if we keep going back on default and doing the same things over, we keep getting the same results. Absolutely. And you can't fix things with the same level of thinking that created the problems. Honestly, no. Right? Can you say that again? You, you can't fix things with the same type of thinking that created the problem. Oh, there's your mic drop. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> and it's true. And I, you know, the more that you grow and that doesn't mean that what we're talking about is easy, Jason. We've both been there where anxiety oh has totally riddled us. And, but in order for us to crawl out and to recognize and to practice these things, we had to look it straight in the eye and be like, okay, yeah. what are you trying to teach me here? You know, yeah. how can I look at this differently? And when you are in a place where anxiety is totally crippling you, it is hard, but it's taking it one step at a time. And it's really understanding that you do have more control than what you think. Yeah. There's a practice yeah. called, because there's a practice that, that I, I have used and I, and I tell other people about that I call grounding. I don't know what it's yes. actually called, but I, I call it grounding. Um, because being able to harness your anxiety for the betterment of yourself in your life is super powerful, yeah. but you can only do it while being anxious, which yep. makes it hard because it's just like any other, any other thing you need to practice and work on it to grow Absolutely. the muscle and to grow the, the connections in your brain and to, and to like reprogram those things. It's easier to do that. If you can ground yourself to understand, yes, I am currently anxious. Okay, I know that I'm anxious. Now I can think about whether or not I'm safe. Now I can think about how to harness this anxiety to find out what the thing I need to work on is. Yes. And all of that gets way easier 
if you can take a moment and breathe and recognize where you are in the world. So um, I like I like to engage my senses, right? So I'm anxious and I know I'm anxious. Most of us know when we're feeling anxious, right? Yeah. Okay. First things first. Am I safe? Am I in immediate danger from anything in my environment? If the answer is yes, I'm like the fuck out of there. <laughs> if, the, if, if the answer is no, you're not in immediate danger. Now you can start to think about. Um, now you can start to think about how to ground yourself and gain control. So, I'm safe. Now let's think about our senses. Okay, so um, what are three things I can see? Okay, I can see my laptop. I can see my water bottle. I can see my hat. Okay, those are what are things I can touch? I can feel the floor beneath my feet. It's kind of cool. I can feel the the breeze from the air conditioner on my face. I can I can feel like um, uh, my the keys of my laptop under me. Okay, what are things you can smell? Okay, I had bacon for breakfast. There's still a smell of bacon. Okay, so right, what are things I can hear? I can hear Gina. I can like give yourself three things from each sense, and now you're like, okay, I'm in the world. Yes, I love that. Right now. I've just learned where I actually am versus where millions of years of evolution was telling me I was. Yeah. Now I know where I really am. So I'm safe and I'm right here in this place. What am, what am I anxious about? Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. No, I was going to say, like you, you said a really good uh, point that I love is that when you bring yourself to the present, anxiety can't exist. Anxiety is usually there when... Of course, there's exceptions, but anxiety usually exists when you're thinking in the past or you're thinking in the future. So yeah. redirecting and coming back to the present moment is huge. And I, I talk about this often, too, is that like if you think about any time you were a child or you were around a child and a child is having a meltdown, what do you do? You redirect them. Yep. Right, you them. you just redirect them, you distract them, they forget about why why they're having the tantrum yep. in the first place. So it's redirecting your thoughts, right? And mm -hmm. another uh, tool that I use, just because I think breathing is such a huge tool for your toolbox. But if you do something even called box breathing, start with the awareness. Okay, am I safe? And then I it's like four by four. So you breathe in for four, you hold for four, you let out for four, and you just focus on your breath, and it brings you back to the present. And yeah. you cannot be anxious when you are in the present. No. Right. So that that's a fantastic tool. So thank you for sharing that. I love once again, how you turn those struggles into strengths. And not only is anxiety and ADHD your strengths, but you're teaching other people how to use it as their superpowers too, which is really cool. You know, and if yeah, we can just I mean, reframe we, it. We, we build a better society with better persons by sharing the best parts of us. Ah, that's beautiful. Lots of lots of mic drops here today. <laughs> so I just want to, and I know, like, I love chatting with you, but I want to talk about one thing. Um, a lot of our listeners are uh, also business owners, too. And one of the things that I feel you do really, really well, you're in the public eye, you know, a lot of eyes are on you, you have different streams of places where you are in our community. Um, how do you face criticism? And like, there are so many negative Nellies in the world who, you know, are critical on who you are as a person. Um, and this is not just you, this is people who put themselves out there regularly, but how do you face criticism and how do you not let it impact who you are and what your mission is? Well, 
it's just find the right way to approach it. Um, what other people think of you it doesn't have the ability to hurt your feelings, right? So it can't impact who you are unless you allow it. Absolutely. So, and you're the one who gets, and like for instance, um, if I were to say to you that um, um, you're not a good conversationalist, that doesn't offend you. You know better. You're like, you don't place any stock in that whatsoever. No. Right? But if, for instance, um, I knew something about you that you were self-conscious about, mm -hmm. right? So like, like, let's just, I don't know, maybe, maybe it's some sport-related thing. Maybe I told you you had a weak crossover <laughs> and, you believe, and you believed it to be true, right? right? Then that could hurt your feelings. But it's not because I said it. Because I believed it. And you allowed me, you gave me the authority. You, you mm -hmm. placed power in the thing that I said. So if, you, if people are being critical of you or a thing you're doing or whatever, it can't hurt your feelings unless you let it. And if you are letting it hurt your feelings, it's because you think there might be some truth to it. So like that. if there is truth to the criticism you're receiving, you have a reason to be grateful, right? Mm -hmm. Because now somebody has pointed out to you, here's a way that you, you really can and probably should be better. Mm -hmm. I like that. And not right? looking at it as a weakness, look at it as something to improve on. Yeah, absolutely. Only if you actually do need to improve on it. Right. Because it could be like, I, I'm really open to um, constructive criticism. Um, like I will actively seek out uh, and I will do this after this interview. I'll ask you, you know, what can I do better for the next time? Yeah. Because I know you're in the ring with me. You mm -hmm. do this for a living. Like this is your, your zone of genius. So I will ask you for feedback. And once I get it, then I will work to improve on that. Yeah. Right. And I know you're familiar with the Roosevelt uh, quote. I actually have it in my office here, but it's also, I don't know. Do you know what quote I'm talking about, about the ring? The credit belongs to the man who's actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dirt and sweat and blood, who knows the enthusiasms and the great devotion. He spends himself at the worthy cause. And at the end, if he fails, at least fails, daring greatly so that his place will never be with those cold, timid souls who know neither victory nor defeat. Okay, the people can't see me, but my jaw is like down to the table. You know that off by heart. Of course. Okay, I have a newfound respect for you. <laughs> that, that speech has been credited to a bunch of people. When I first learned that it was credited to JFK. But, really? Yeah, so, but, but Teddy Roosevelt is, yeah. Okay. He's the actual guy. But the words change wow. over time. And, yeah. So I live by that quote. and. Yeah. Um, and I, I, like I said, I'm open to all the criticism if it's going to make me better, but I won't take it from somebody who is not in the ring with me, who are, who is not in the trenches, who is not doing the work, who just wants to be a negative Nelly. So yeah. it's also recognizing that you're not going to be for everybody. There are going to be people, people that uh, disagree with you, but it's taking the constructive criticism for the people who who are rooting for you to win and who know what they're talking about, who are, yeah. you know, faces being marred and, and doing yeah. the damn thing, so, right? So there's only a couple of reasons why people would ever criticize you. Yeah. And it's really easy to understand which of those reasons it would be if you look at that individual in isolation and say, okay, they they have negative things to say when I when I was wrong. What would they have done if I were right? And if Ooh. there's somebody 
if somebody who would, if that person would have clapped when you were right, then take their criticism. Oh, Jason, I'm, that is huge. Right. And I'm not saying, I'm not saying that what they told you, when I say take their criticism, I don't necessarily mean change anything because of their thought. I mean, acknowledge that it probably comes from a place that you need to spend time thinking about. It's yes. still up to you whether or not you change something. That's like I've had lots true. of people tell me you're doing that wrong or this wrong or this wrong. And I'll listen to it. I'll mm -hmm. hear all of it. And it'll determine whether or not it's grounded in anything. And if it's grounded in nothing, I'll say I appreciate you taking the time to to reach out to me to help me find ways to be better yeah. to you and to other people. Yeah. I appreciate that. I and deserve the right to do it or not. That's on me. Yeah. And it's also and you know, listening to your gut too. And because sometimes the unknown, when you're doing the unknown, you're doing the scary things, people are like, oh no, don't do that. Don't do that. So it's also that fine line. But I love that because, you know, if they're not going to be there rooting for you and they're only there to criticize, they're not your people anyway. No, no I love not. that. They're not. Um, and they're just, they're just looking for, they're just looking for something to do or say to give them a little bit of a boost yeah. because this person was public and said a thing and if I tell them how they were wrong, I somehow leveled up this person who has a platform that I didn't have until I leveraged theirs. Yes. So classic keyboard warrior. Classic. Yeah. Troll. No, that is, that's a really good point. And also to people who are just out there being critics, like, you know, sometimes what I do is like, oh, I kind of feel like I send them light and love. And I'm like, it has to be really tough to be the person who was just looking to hurt people. So I tried it to send that light and love and a bit of compassion and empathy. Um, but sometimes, you know, it is challenging. And the other, I read something the other day, and I'm not going to try and reiterate it because I will butcher it. But it was also about not giving power to all of the love that you get too. You know what I mean? So it's like, putting your stuff out there and being okay with it, regardless of all the love or the criticism. Does that make sense? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Because it comes down to whether or not you're doing it for you or whether or not you're doing it for accolades. Yeah. Like are you doing it to help somebody or are you That's doing right. it because for some other reason, like for instance, um, uh, lately just to timestamp what we're doing here, that in our local, local market, we'll say we're, we're dealing with a recent COVID-19 outbreak and we're, we're the, provinces shut down and we're doing daily or every second day there's live updates from our government and um i've been uh, given the opportunity to act as a reporter during these things so i can ask questions live and it's on tv and you're rocking uh, it <laughs> i appreciate that thank you but i'm i'm asking questions not because i care whether or not somebody in the public thinks it's a good or a bad question mm -hmm. i'm asking the questions because i think the answers to them our information that would benefit our, our local society on, on the whole. So if you're like, if you're doing this podcast because you want people to talk about how great you are, then you should just quit right now because it'll go nowhere ever. I agree. Doing, yes. Right. That's not the point. Like, like likes and shares and followers and comments, they're all really, really nice to have if you if you're doing it because you need the dopamine hit of every time your phone dings yeah but i'm not i didn't get a hundred and however many episodes deep into the ask jason show because i i thought it mattered whether or not anybody liked or commented on it i did it because i genuinely felt like i could prevent people from making the same stupid mistakes over and over again just because they didn't know any better 
Absolutely. I love that. And and the thing that popped in my mind when you said that too, is that before I even pushed publish on this podcast and you know, you get those jitters and you get that nervousness. My thing is you take yourself out of it. This is not about me. This is about how I want to help other people. If people can listen to this podcast and get inspiration and not feel lost, that's what it's about. So it's yeah. really removing yourself from it, coming back to like, okay, I'm doing this for servitude. I'm doing this to yeah. help. And when you do that, you can't go wrong. Absolutely. Like there's no, yeah. like other than a good conversation, yeah. there's no personal benefit in, in this podcast for me. No, that's right. Yeah. Right. It, so yeah. like, I'm not, like, I'm not, this isn't making me any money. No. I mean, if any, if anything, it's costing me money. <laughs> that's right. Because I'm not, You're taking time. Yeah. Right? And, yeah. and, uh, I'm not necessarily gonna, gonna sell a bunch of houses because we had this conversation. Yeah. That's, you know what I mean? Because the audience don't overlap and I've spent no time discussing why I am or am not good at that job. That's so, right. But I'm yeah. doing this not for me. Uh, but also for me, I'm doing it because I think that people will actually benefit from it. That's right. Yeah. And then I'll feel like I did well because I know what my true north is. Right. Mm -hmm. And I know what makes me feel good as a human being. And I'll leave this conversation with a level of appreciation um, and self-satisfaction and accomplishment that I didn't have before it. And it's not because you agree or disagree with anything that I'm saying is because I feel like I have a truth that other people could benefit from if they took the time to listen to it. Now, yeah. it's not up to me whether or not they take the time to listen to it, but no. I did my part. That's so right. I feel good about that. Yeah. And I think that is a really beautiful thing that most people, if they lead with their heart and that they lead with, you know what, I've been down that road. Here's some things that I've done, which is why we're both here, which is why we both, you know, lead with our hearts and try to make the world a better place. I know it seems corny and cliche, but that, that is what we, what we are about. <laughs> and, and the hard part about that is there are probably hundreds of thousands and millions and billions of people out there who truly believe that that's the life that they lead, mm -hmm. but they don't realize and they won't until, until they see the other side of that thought process that it's probably not true. And yeah. that's a really hard thing to acknowledge, but most of us are really wrong about ourselves all of the time. Yeah. Self-awareness is incredibly powerful but it's also really, really rare to be truly self-aware. Yeah. And humbling. And, and, yeah, I spent so much time <laughs> on it and thinking about it and trying to, to get it right and be a better person. And, and there are a lot of things I know about myself now that even a year or two years ago, I, I'm vastly different as a person. Yeah. But I'm still pretty sure I'm missing a whole bunch of stuff. Oh, my God. Us both. And I think that's life, though. I think that the more we navigate life and the more things that we open up to and the more challenges, more opportunities, I think that there's opportunity and growth in everything we do. And I think it's up to us to see that growth and to witness that growth and be willing to have that growth. Yeah. <laughs> I lost you there for a second. What can I add to that? I'm like, no, yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so usually at the end of the podcast, first of all, thank you, thank you. We're not completely done yet, but at the end, I do a little fun activity. We talk a lot about the serious stuff, and I really appreciate that. 
So now what we're going to do, my favorite part of the podcast, is we're going to do something called rapid fire questions. Oh, okay. <laughs> so as you know, rapid fire, you cannot think. It's the first answer that comes to your mind, and you have to answer right away. Okay, I'm ready. Are you ready? Okay. Nachos or tacos? Nachos. A nickname you used to have or still have? Jay? Okay. Um, If you could travel back in time, where would you go? Uh, Can I get more context? Are we talking about it in my own life or in existence? Uh, Whatever came to your mind. Egypt. Oh, say a word in French and it cannot be bonjour. See, I'm... uh, Je suis presque bilingue, so, uh, alors ce question est un petit peu difficile. Oh, c'est bon, excellent, j'aime ça. Um, <laughs> who is your favorite Harry Potter character? Harry. <laughs> yes. Sunrise or sunset? Sunset. What is your perfect date? Like a romantic date? Yep. I cook dinner, uh, and we have dinner and wine. And then, depending on the context of the relationship and the mood of the day, we'll either um, go for a drive and um, and share really good music or perhaps a walk and conversation. Oh, I love that. Um, What's your go-to order from your favorite restaurant? A soup soup and salad at... Um, at the Newfoundland Embassy. Oh, I've never like eaten there before. Okay. Um, it's just so, so, so good. So okay. simple. What's your favorite word? Word? Yep. Indubitably. <laughs> what is your go-to song? To listen to or to play? To dance. To dance? Yeah, like if you needed a pump-me-up song, what would it be? Do you remember um, the... the um, I used to watch, no, see, I'm just supposed to, uh, Barry White, my first, my last, my everything. I love it. Adam McBeal um, is where that comes from. Okay, okay. Uh, if you could win an Olympic medal for any sport, real or fake, what would it be? Best parking place. If you could change your name, what would it be? I wouldn't. Ah, good answer. If you could have one superpower, not the ones we talked about, what would it be? Uh, I would like to be able to read people's emotions. Ooh. Texting or talking? Talk to text. <laughs> Chocolate or vanilla? Vanilla. Climb a mountain or jump from a plane? I have climbed mountains. I'm going to say plane. If you were really hungry, would you eat a bug? <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> would you rather be able to speak every language in the world or be able to talk to Animals. Animals. And a little bit more of a serious note, what's the best piece of advice you have ever gotten that you will never forget? Just because it matters now doesn't mean it actually matters. Oh, I love that. That is golden. Well, Jason, I cannot thank you enough for being here today, for sharing your wisdom. I seriously could talk to you for hours. So thank you. Thank you. I know you have a busy, busy schedule. So taking the time to sit here and talk with me and share your wisdom to our listeners. It really means a lot to me. And where can people find you if they want to know more about Jason and what you do? Um, First of all, this has been my pleasure because I'm getting as much and more out of this than you are. Uh, So I, I really appreciate the opportunity. I'll do it anytime you like. Um, If 
from a real estate perspective, um, uh, you can just Google Jason Piercy Realtor uh, and uh, look me up on Facebook, the Ask Jason Show, or me personally. I'm really open to people just reaching out and having conversations. Uh, and Rogers TV and Out of the Fog are places where you can find me. Just look me up on Instagram at Piercy Jason. Awesome. And don't forget to uh, tune in to his amazing questions on the briefings. <laughs> so before you go, Jason, is there any last golden nuggets you would like to share with our listeners that will either impact their day or leave them with a pep in their step? Um, your gut response to something that somebody says to you is probably wrong. Ooh. And I know everybody says to lean into your gut. And that's, that's often true, but I've learned recently that my gut response is not my gut response. It's my cognitive dissonance. And I'm actually bothered by the fact that I was likely wrong about something for a very, very long time. So wow. take a moment, take a moment before you, before you react, you're probably overreacting, put it in context. Nice. Oh my goodness. There's so many thoughts that are going through my mind right now. So it's yes, understand you have an intuition, but sometimes your response is based on your conditioning. Yeah. And it's, and, and it's not your fault. It's not Absolutely. Your fault, but but you it's fix it. That's right. It's up to you and how you right. move forward. Well, Jason, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You're freaking amazing. And I can't wait for our next chat. And uh, thank you guys for tuning into another episode and we'll see you next time. Thanks for spending time with me today. I really hope you enjoyed today's episode. And if you did, feel free to take a screenshot and share this with someone that you think should hear this. If this is your very first time listening, I would really appreciate if you push that subscribe button so you can join us for all future episodes. And if you're feeling really generous, I would love for you to leave a five-star review. Be kind, folks. I'm Gina Keeping, and today we have been keeping it real. We'll see you next time.